What is good, everyone? This is your host, Deanna Kempel with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label free. I've got a very dynamic guest zooming in from Richmond, Virginia. Please meet Steve Prada. He is an entrepreneur, former investment banker, business coach, author of Bible, which you see right there behind him, and also a podcast host of Prof Serve Traction. Uh, Steve, you are quite the man and you wear a lot of different hats, so you're definitely living label free. Please introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about your background. Uh, hi, Dana. Great to be here. Uh, so my background, uh, I started life as a corporate employee, as, uh, as most people. And at the age of 35, I started my business. Uh, actually, since the age of 10, I was dreaming about becoming an entrepreneur. My great-grandfather was a successful entrepreneur, pre-war Budapest, Hungary. Oh, wow. He ran a bakery, which was the top a top bakery, and uh, he was a top 30 taxpayer in the city, even though I'm sure he didn't pay all his taxes. <laughs> Who does? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you all do. Come on. Um, and uh, so, so that was my dream. And at the age of 35, I got fired. I was working for a big bank, and they went through a slow summer, and I was fairly highly paid. And I, they pushed me out. It was after a merger, and I was coming from the wrong side of the equation. And that was the best thing that happened to me because you know, I, I lost my golden cage, I could get out and I started building my business and uh, it became quite successful. It was an investment banking business. We helped uh, small, medium-sized business owners to prepare their business for sale and to sell it to mostly to international Western European companies, investors. Um, and, uh, and you know, through uh, so many challenges, I grew the business with you know, stops and starts. And eventually in 2013, I managed to sell it to private equity group and we moved over here. Um, and I started, you know, I restarted my life as a business coach and that's what I've been doing. And in the book Bible, I basically tell my personal story. And I also tell the story of many of my clients who, who sold their business, who didn't uh, succeed to sell their business, why it wasn't basically how they can build a business, how anyone can build a business that becomes viable if they just pull the right levers over time. Wow, so you, you've done a lot of things. So are you still, a, so you're no longer an investment baker. So that, that part of your entrepreneur um, road has, has closed. It does, it, it has closed. It was a wonderful journey, lots of adventures. But uh, when we moved over here, we decided that we were going to get off the roller coaster. <laughs> and uh, my wife preferred that I uh, have a more stable career. Uh, and actually, I enjoyed this very much. And uh, I've been working with CEOs, entrepreneurs, and help them build viable businesses and build successful growing businesses. And that's what I do. I, I work with leadership teams, and I help them figure out how they get organized, get orchestrated, and and uh, create a fun uh, and motivating environment and and make sure that they spend their time building a purposeful business. I love that. That's great. I think that um, a lot of businesses need that these days because, <clears throat> you know, on the coaching side, because there's so many different dynamics now with the way our world has shifted with last year and the pandemic and all that stuff. So I think that someone like you is important to come in and see how you could help them, you know, maybe streamline their leadership, how they can, you know, improve here. Because when you're in it, you really don't see how you can improve because you, so as a, I'm an entrepreneur as well, you know, I've been in the corporate world 
Uh, my late husband and I, we had five businesses. One was a manufacturing business and we did um, over 20 million in sales. We were pretty, fairly decent size, had yeah. 150 employees. And I can, I'll tell you this, when I was in it, nobody could tell me how I could run our, how we could run our business. It was like, I know. <laughs> and my husband would say, he's like, you just think you know it all. I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, for the most part, I knew myself, but you know, I, at this point in my life, I would definitely be more open to someone helping me see where we could improve because, you know, it, we all, there's always room for improvement everywhere. Yeah. And, and the, you know, I totally uh, agree with you. So entrepreneurs, they became entrepreneurs because they didn't want anyone to tell them what to do. They didn't, they were unemployable, most of us. But the idea here is that uh, I only spend a little time with these people and they tolerate me. So once a quarter, I come in and I hold them accountable and we set goals and I show them some tools uh, and then they let, they go back to the business and they execute for another quarter and everything, you know, they control everything. And this is as much as they tolerate one, one day a quarter, uh, they, they basically give me permission to, uh, to give them some feedback and, and to help them some, with some things. And then they are back in the saddle and uh, they're doing their own thing. I love it. So how long were you an investment banker for? Uh, about 12 years. Oh, wow. So I started with this bank and uh, did that for a year or two. And then I started my own firm and, uh, and yeah, and it was basically a 10, 10, 10 year, 10, 11 year journey until, uh, you know, to grow the business and then the environment changed. So I still loved what I did, but the environment changed. It became less investor friendly, uh, at least in my country. And I felt uh, that the long-term prospects were not as bright as I would have loved to. And I, I always wanted to, think uh, of myself as having an unlimited uh, opportunity. And, you know, that was a limited one. So I thought, okay, let's come across, swim across the pond and be in a bigger, uh, in a bigger market. Welcome, welcome to across yeah, the pond. Exactly. <laughs> try myself in, in a bigger market and see if I stack up and, you know, I'm still in the process, but I think that uh, it's not, it's not as bad as, as, yeah. uh, as one might have thought. That's a long time to be involved in, in, you know, that doing that. So what was one of your greatest accomplishments during that, that period of time? Cause I'm assuming your book is based off of all the experience that you've gone through with all those different businesses and selling them and, and you know, all, all that good stuff. Well, I would say that the greatest accomplishment, I mean, I never, <laughs> no one asked me this question, but I think it was really to build a great team. Oh, okay. Um, and, uh, that was the the big thing that I missed after I sold my business. Yeah. That I, I lost uh, contact with most of my great teams, and we were not working together. Even if we stayed in touch, I was not part of the team anymore, and we didn't have these bonding experiences together anymore. And I, I'm really proud of the team that that I guess I built or we built together because initially yeah. it was me, but then it was uh, my my teammates. Uh, I think it was a really unique uh, group. Uh, the, the spirit was that because we were a startup uh, company, we basically uh, couldn't get the, those people, the, the top, you know, the best the students, perhaps, especially initially, and the top top candidates that the big firms went after. So we often picked up people who were overlooked or passed over by, by bigger firms, by big competitors. 
And they all had, you know, we all had the, a stone in our shoe. We wanted to show that we can be better than the big guys. Yeah. And that was a very uh, motivating thought that, okay, we're going to show them that you passed us over, but we're going to show you that we can, we can beat you. And in fact, uh, we, you know, we kept uh, tracking, uh, our biggest competitor was Deloitte. And by the number of transactions completed by 2007, we managed to uh, uh, pass them. Uh, and uh, oh. that was a great year. Unfortunately, 2007 was followed by 2008. And uh, that was a very difficult year. And okay. we almost went out of business in 2008. But we had uh, a brief period to, to savor the sunlight. Yeah, no, we lost everything um, <clears throat> in 2008. We rebuilt and we doubled, I mean, we were on track to doubling our, our new business in less time than the old business. So um, yeah, that was a rough time for, I think a lot of people. Um, tell us about this book behind you. So the book is, is really um, the last 20 years of my life. Um, so as an investment banker, as a management consultant, business coach, I, I studied, uh, you know, I've worked with 250 companies and uh, I've seen a lot of successes, a lot of, I've seen even more failures. And basically uh, a few years ago, uh, I started uh, speaking, I was with this chair, which is a CEO peer group. And I started speaking um, about my experiences and I started developing some of these concepts and articulating it for, for my audience. And, and last year when the pandemic broke, I felt that, wow, this is the time that maybe I should use this, uh, you know, stop traveling. Uh, suddenly I had all this time on my hand and I was thinking, what should I do with it? And then I realized, wow, well, this is the time to write this book that I always wanted to write. So I buckled down and I put the pieces together, my, my previous talks, uh, you know, I, I ran a newsletter for many years. So I had a lot of material and basically I, I put this together, this uh, holistic journey of an entrepreneur how they think about what they want to do with their business, why they have this business, what is the ideal life looks like for them. And, and a business is a great vehicle to get you there. Yeah. So that's what the books is about, book is about. How do you uh, figure out, first of all, what do you want? What's the ideal life? And then what does it take to get there? Yeah. You know, uh, often there is, there is a dollar sign. You, know? you need uh, maybe a couple of million dollars, maybe more. To, to get to your ideal life, which is maybe to run a different company, maybe to be a philanthropist, maybe it's just to retire. Uh, maybe it's a hobby, maybe you want to own a sports team, whatever it is. Uh, and then if you've got this number, and I've got some tools on my website that people can go and they can calculate the magic number, they calculate the growth, the value of the company, what it needs to grow to, uh, and they can figure that out. And when you figure that out, you then know uh, you have a target. This is sure. my company is at five million. I need to take it to fifty million. So this is the growth I need to uh, uh, achieve. And then the next uh, part of the book is about what I call management blueprints. So there are some books out there, some some frameworks there for companies to organize their business to make it much more effective, to make it uh, grow faster, be more profitable, have a better team. Uh, so I talk about all these frameworks, the management, there are seven concepts. These frameworks implement these concepts for you. So people can do that. And then when you have orchestrated your business, then you grow it. And there are uh, value drivers that sure. you can instill in your business. And then you have grown the business, then you want to groom it. We call it groom it means 
to make it really pretty for for right. the investors so it's going to be attractive dress it up like it's going on a date <laughs> exactly. you, you're going to go on a date and you want to put your best foot forward yeah um, and then when you found uh, you know when, when you groom the business you're ready to go then okay how are you going to harvest it so how do you harvest the value and it doesn't mean you need to sell the business you can keep it and just take some chips off the table there are different ways i go through the options for entrepreneur whether it's a sale minority investor recapitalization whatever it is sure so harvest it i you know i speak about some transaction experiences what to pay attention to and then finally uh, how do you transition what do you do when you uh, harvest the business are you going to stay inside you go outside you stay on the board you go and work in the business. What are your options? What is the psychology of it? What's the mindset? What is the kind of the loss that you, you might feel when you let go of it? Uh, and I bring again my own perspective, um, my more own experience and my own business. And, and that's it. That, that's the book in a nutshell. That's a lot though. It, it sounds like it's a very valuable tool for entrepreneurs. Um, <clears throat> do you think in your experience over your last 20 years, do you think most entrepreneurs have an actual um, plan in place on, on how they're going to get to that magic number that you're talking about? No, absolutely not. <laughs> so when I was spoke, speaking to these uh, peer groups of CEOs, typically it was between 20 and 30% who even had a magic number. They, they knew the number that they had to target. Most of them didn't even know that. Uh, most of them actually were totally surprised when we did the exercise to see what the number is, that it was actually lower than they thought in many cases. Uh, and even those that had a number, very few of them had a, a clear plan of how right. they're going to get there. Uh, even fewer of them had, uh, had a vision of what they were going to do when they sold their business. And that's really critical because I, I saw many Entrepreneurs, they sold their business, they bought the boat the next day, and they went on the vacations, and they took up golf. And within three months, they were totally bored out of, my, out of their minds. Uh, they never used the boat. Uh, one of them took me out on a ride to, to basically to show me the great boat, and he couldn't even start it because it was full of water and the engine was rusting. Oh, yeah. um, so, um, so that's the big thing, you know. What are they? What are you going to do as an entrepreneur? That's a really big question. And before you figure it out, there's no point thinking about uh, your business even. Yeah, I. So I. Yeah, I had to ask that question because I feel like um, a lot of entrepreneurs, like you know, we're we're cut out of a certain kind of cloth where we aren't really employable. I don't know. I tried to work for a corp, like for corporate, the last couple of years, and I'm not working for a corporate right now. So <laughs> because I'm just. I have a very hard time with people telling me what to do when I think I know better. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, you probably do know better than most people. Uh, most people around you, uh, you know better. You you take more initiative, and yes, and that's part of the motivation. Yes, very true. I'm highly motivated. I was up at four thirty this morning going to the gym. So, and it's going to be a long day. <laughs> like it's going to be a very long day. So, you have some questions here. Let me pick one to ask you that you're prepared to. Um, you can ask me anything. I know, but I, I like to pick one of, question, one of the questions. The difference between proactive and reactive entrepreneurs and how their approach determines their financial emotional success. What is the difference? That is good. That's a good question. So that's, that's a big one. So uh, a reactive, so most, most entrepreneurs are actually reactive when it yes. comes to 
exit planning, right? They they think that uh, everything's gonna be fine. They just buckle down. They just focus uh, day to day. They just try to make the business profitable. And but then what happens is life happens. Yeah. And sometimes you know we get sick uh, or we get old. You know that's not an option to not get old. We get old over time. We get sick and suddenly. Uh, there is just a tipping point when it's no longer working. You're not able to put in the hours into the business because your doctor advises against it. Or uh, or you just didn't make the business success. You burn yourself out. You're trying to keep it profitable. And at some point, you no longer be able to, to push it. And then if you don't have options, if you are reactive, then you're just going to take whatever you can get. And the investors are going to either ignore you or they're going to take advantage of you. Yeah. There is a proactive uh, entrepreneur. Uh, and, and then I tell the example in the book of the reactive entrepreneur, uh, this this woman who, who built this fantastic niche business, about $5 million, half of it profit, very profitable, very successful in the niche. But she didn't have a leadership team. She didn't have her accounts in order. Um, she didn't even have a, it was kind of a manufacturing business. She didn't have uh, college grads in the business. There was no one to take over from her. And essentially, uh, it was fortunate for her that we found someone who could come in. We found another company that could fund the whole transaction. And uh, and she managed to sell it. She had to, for, for health reasons, she, she had a time bomb kicking. She had to get out in 10 months. And, and uh, she could have gotten twice the money or more if she had been prepared. The other story is uh, this: these two couples who built uh, kind of a Toys R Us in central Hungary, Toys R Us type of company, which became very successful in the 2000s. And they they knew what they wanted to do. Uh, the CEO, he wanted to go back. He was a former athlete. He wanted to run the Ice Hockey Association. Uh, so uh, he, he wanted to start this business to free himself up. Uh, another uh, member of the, you know, the other partner in the business, this was a woman who wanted to, she was an explorer. She wanted to go to the Arctic, the Antarctic. And uh, they really figured this out. Uh, they implemented an SAP system. So everything was running smoothly. They had a succession leadership in, in the company. Uh, they had processes. So when we went to market, it was very, very easy sale. We had six buyers and one of them bought the business and they could leave essentially within two months. They could all, uh, wow. one of the members stayed in the business because he wanted to, but everyone could leave the business, just hand over the keys. And then um, Chaba, the CEO, he became the chairman of the federation um, and the Hungarian ice hockey went up three leagues, went, you know, uh, got promoted. Uh, up three leagues over five years, which was incredible success for them, touching millions of people because sure. this company was successful, about $50 million. But ice hockey, you know, it's it's a popular sport and a lot more people are interested. So the impact is actually much, much bigger right. for him as, as being in that association and running it. And Christina, uh, this woman, she, she was the first Hungarian woman to reach the Arctic, the Antarctic. She became a minor celebrity uh, and uh, she, she did what she really loved to do with her time. And that's kind of, that's what the proactive entrepreneur looks like. Yeah, well, they sound like they were very organized and they had all their ducks in a row. And I think that that's really, that's awesome. Good for them. 
that's a that's a good lesson to, for for people to hear, especially on my entrepreneurs out there. Well, Steve, before we wrap um, things up, do you want to plug all your links where people can find you, find the book, listen to your podcast? I, I think you mentioned one or two already, but can you just set, uh, plug them again? Yes. So the book is available on Amazon. Um, it's pre-order. It's gonna go live uh, very soon. So if you if you go and and uh, Google Buyable by Steve Preda, then you can you can buy it. And right now it's fifty percent off before uh, its official publication date. So this is the time to grab a pre-order book. You can in the meantime until you wait for the book to come out, you can go on buyablebusiness.com and you can download the the preface, the introduction, first chapter, so about the first forty pages of the book. So you already can uh, read some of the stories that we talked about, the proactive and reactive entrepreneurs, for example. So feel free to do that. Um, and um, also there are tools, there are digital tools that go with the book. So if you want to calculate your magic number, magicnumbercalculator.com, or if you want to calculate the value of your business, go to valueandgrowthcalculator.com. Uh, you can also test uh, your business and uh, the viability of your business uh, on viabilityassessment.com. And uh, you get basically a picture of six factors of viability and you will have an exact picture of what how viable your business is. Wow, those are a lot of great resources. And I'm going to have, I'll put those all in the description of the episode. But is there any last, any final words of wisdom or advice you'd like to leave for all of our budding entre entrepreneurs out there? Well, uh, the wisdom is that, you know, entrepreneurs are all different. We all succeed in our own way. And uh, as long as you stay in the game, you can succeed. So my advice is to protect your downside, to, uh, uh, you know, you need to take risks, but always have a plan B, always have a plan C. And as long as, as you do that, you're going to be fine. You're going to be able to survive and get, uh, you know, iterate to the next level and eventually succeed. It's it's a it's a game of persistence and patience, and uh, you can get there. You just uh, keep on trying. Woo! With that being said, <laughs> thank you, Steve, for being a guest. You guys, this is your host, Deanna Kempel, with Label Free Podcast. To live your best life, you must live label free. Please don't forget to subscribe, like, comment, and share. And I'll be back very soon with more dynamic guests. Thank you, Diana. Great to, to be here.